The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello, and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of the Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, I'll be speaking to an American-born princess who has made worldwide headlines having been evicted from the home she shared with her former husband after a family dispute. Irish textile designer Jennifer Rothwell joins me to chat about her return to Ireland and just in time for the bank holiday weekend. We have Jennifer Sheehan on outdoor kitchens and accessories. You can get in touch with us on the podcast by emailing us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And of course, you can listen on a Saturday morning between eight and nine here on Newstalk Radio. Now, it was a busy week for me. I found myself uh, travelling around the country for work, unfortunately. Uh, I was in two hotels, one in Limerick and one in Kilkenny. Both four star, picked out on Booking.com and really just chosen because they were proximate to where I needed to be the next day for work. I had entirely different experiences. So one was beautifully appointed, spotless, Gorgeous bathroom, all the mod cons you'd expect in a four-star hotel. The other, mm, shabby, old, a shower that leaked, two water settings, tepid and scalding, scratched furniture and actually, frankly, in need of more than a lick of paint. Now, what does a hotel rating mean? Because it struck me that when I was looking for these hotels, I mean, I just wanted something central to where I needed to be. Um, but you know what? They were similarly priced They were affordable because it was early midweek days, uh, but totally different hotel. One was so disappointing and one exceeded my expectations. And it just struck me, does anybody check these things anymore? Or if you can just, do you open a hotel, call it four star and then nobody looks at it ever again. And look, it shouldn't be up to people travelling or TripAdvisor or anything like that to check these things. Uh, It just seems a great shame. Well, if anybody knows the answer or can guide me in the future as to how to look for a hotel, first world problems I know, do get in touch with us today, 53106 or the home show at newstalk.com and you're very welcome along to the show. Now, my first guest is an American-born princess who has been shockingly evicted from her home amid money disputes and acrimony among her husband's family, which has made headlines around the world. No, it's not that one, but a US-Italian princess who is hitting the headlines. Princess Rita Boncompagni Ludovici became embroiled with the children of her late husband, Prince Niccolo Boncompagni, which resulted in her having to leave her and their home and what a home it is. Casino Aurora houses the world's only surviving Caravaggio ceiling mural amongst other incredible treasures and history. Princess Rita, you are very welcome to the Home Show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be with you. Have I pronounced your name correctly? Yes, it's Bon Compagni, which means good companion. Ah, right. Okay. Now, you (laughs) you were born in Texas as uh, Rita Carpenter. Talk to me about that journey to becoming a princess (laughs) initially. Um, Gosh, you know, I think life is so interesting. It's circular in nature and you never really can determine your own destiny, honestly. Um, I, my father um, was a prominent businessman in San Antonio, and uh, my mother actually loved working as well. She worked with him, and um, the, her family actually came to America in 1633 uh, from England, 
since I'm related to George Washington and James Madison, but I say related, not descend, because my Garlington ancestors, um, Anne Garlington was um, Mary, Mary Ball's, Anne Ball was Mary Ball's uh, sister. And Mary Ball was George Washington's mother. So anyway, it's complicated. But <laughs> it is indeed, anyway. as as most family histories are. And tell us how you how you got to arrive in Italy and and marry your. And wait, husband. I want to mention. I want to mention my grandmother who died in her nineties. Uh, her name was Blanche Carney from Ireland. She died in her late nineties, and she was really my inspiration all my life. I loved her so much. Extraordinary. So, and, uh, so and I am Irish. You are Irish as well. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. Uh, and, and then you ended up in Italy in this magnificent villa. Now, we won't get into the legal side of your story because I know events are still ongoing, but we do want to talk to you today about this magnificent home. Oh, please. Your husband, um, Prince Niccolo, died sadly in 2018 and the villa had been previously put up for auction. It was put up for auction after he died. The home is beautiful. It was built in 1570. As you enter the front, you'll see two Dacian statues by the portal there. And as you enter into the Ingresso, which is the entrance, the ceiling is done by the leading mannerist painter Zuccheri in 1570. And uh, it's in honor of Cardinal Francesco Nero, who, who was the first owner of the villa. And then as you enter into the other room, you will see... Um, the, what is considered Guercino's masterpiece, the Aurora, bringing dawn into the night. The frame is done by Agostino Tassi. So, and, uh, and, then, and then in the other room, you have paintings that were, were ceiling paintings that were fe- featured at the Grand Palais in Paris and also at the Prada Museum in 2010. Uh, I let them come in and videotape them and film it. Uh, there's one by Guercino, Brio, Viola, Domenichino, the Centro Pomerancho. And as you go on out into the sunroom, you'll see four bas-reliefs from the Gardens of Solestini, which the Gardens of Solest is the grounds that Villa Aurora sits upon. A huge country home in the middle of Rome, and it's the highest hill in Rome. And uh, you'll see um, bas-reliefs by uh, Mitra, the Mithraic religion of the Roman soldier from 2,000 years ago, and uh, Bacchus, and Eros, and... Cupid, and then you see Athena, the warrior woman. And in our garden, we have 28 statues um, that uh, date back to Roman times uh, that were excavated from there. And the people that have visited our home are, um, gosh, uh, Tchaikovsky, Hawthorne, Henry James, um, Gogol, after he finished Dead Souls, was wandering around the garden there. So, and the garden was actually um, 86.9 acres or 42 hectares in size. It ran from our villa which was like a little country lodge for them, you know, mm. all the way through the Via Veneto and beyond. And so uh, they had 69 palaces, actually. Wow, so unbelievable. I, I, it was really, really quite, quite magnificent. In fact, Stendhal said these are the most beautiful gardens in the world. And when they were being destroyed, he was bereft, you know. He said, mm. how can you destroy them? Mm. And, and then, of course, the Via Veneto grew from that. Um, at the beginning of the 20th century, there was a huge banking scandal, and most of the the aristocratic families lost a, a great amount of their fortune. So um, this <laughs> it emerged like that, and nobody really knew much. Our home had been abandoned uh, since the late 80s when his father died, mm. when Nicola's father died, and um, we when we came into it, there were birds flying around inside, windows broken, leaves piled up in the corners. And uh, and my husband said, "Darling, do you want it?" I said, "Yes, let's do it." 
And, so, and having been a history major, and my mentor was Claudio Segre, Emilio Segre's son, who uh, he worked with him with Ferme at Los Alamos. Um, I had, you know, a firm a sense of uh, Italy and also of history, and I loved it. And I discovered in our basement a trunk full of 150,000 documents going back almost a thousand years. And an American university, whom I approached, gave us the funding to digitize them all. And you can look at them at www.villaludivisi.org. O-R-G. And I, so, I understand uh, that they include letters written by Marie Antoinette. Is that right? 25. 25 letters uh, from Marie Antoinette, Louis the Sixteenth. Uh, the Sun King, um, Louis the Fifteenth, the Fourteenth, um, just luminaries, uh, Prince Philip the Fifth, uh, from across Europe, from almost every area of Europe, and and the and the ones sent from Marie Antoinette and Louis the Sixteenth, mon cousin, they say my cousin, because they the the Ludovici do not stem from the Catholic Church, they stem even though there were a number of popes, they stem from the Holy Roman Empire. Mm. Mm. And they came to Italy in 980 with Emperor Otto II. And they, they settled them in, in Spoleto, and then they eventually went down and settled in Bologna. And, um, and then they, they were the only princes, real princes, that had their own fiefdom. Now, their of own, course, uh, what, principality. What, what has been get, grabbing the headlines here uh, in the Villa Aurora is, of course, that magnificent Caravaggio, painted in 1597, yes. valued yes. at something like 300 million euro. Talk to me about it. I, I, I believe that, it was covered up. Amazing. It was only rediscovered um, as it late as the 1960s. It really rediscovered, but it was, it was uh, just ignored because there's so many things in a house like this that everyone's looking at. <laughs> right. But it wasn't, a, it was an oil on plaster painting. It's not a fresco. It's an oil on plaster painting. And uh, it's Jupiter, Neptune, and Pluto. And Caravaggio actually put his own face, his own body on each one. He was 33 at the time. And um, uh, it's amazing. Each face has a different expression. And, um, and, and also you can you imagine that Galileo Galilei was there too because he was also sponsored by uh, Caravaggio's sponsor and um, Cardinal Francesco de Monte. So, uh, and, and there, uh, Cardinal Francesco de Monte's home was uh, Villa Madama, where where the the, the Congress convenes mm, in mm. Italy today. It's and an so ex- imagine this little place was like something, you know, uh, very different. And, and, an extraordinary place to wake up in each morning. I mean, what what is it like to be surrounded by? Is it like living in an art gallery a little bit? It is a bit, but you become accustomed to it. But nonetheless, we were discovering so many things. Even when I was um, brutally <laughs> sent away, um, you know, we I, I've had over two hundred scholars visiting there, mm. um, looking at things, and um, the there was we discovered a painting from fifteen seventy above a lowered ceiling. And we also discovered um, a fresco of Il Papa Gregorio, uh, Pope Gregory the Thirteenth greeting the five Japanese boys when they first came to the West. Mm. And, uh, and, and now, um, the Bernie Frischer, Dr. Bernie Frischer from the University of Indiana, has sent a top geologist that the Viniculturale uses often for their uh, exploration. And he did a sonic imaging. It looks like a... a, a 
lawnmower that you run across mm. a, a ground. Mm. And they discovered Julius Caesar's villa beneath our villa. Extra. And this is where he romanced <laughs> Cleopatra. <laughs> the can you imagine? continue. It's can, extraordinary. Can you imagine? Now, I, mean, I, just, I no, I can't. Astonishing. I can't. And now, I understand that it is in some state of disrepair at the moment. And, and despite your great renovations and the work you've done you know, on it. It needs a billionaire. It needs a billionaire. Yeah. We spent it all we could um, and we sold uh, you know things that were very sentimental to us. To In fact, we sold a Dabasano painting in order to do the restoration. You no longer live there. So what yeah, what is what is for you now? Because you're, you're I don't like to ask you your age, but you're you're of a certain age where you wouldn't have thought you you would have to worry about accommodation difficulties. What? I'm, no, I'm seventy three. I'm seventy three, and okay. I'm happy. I don't <laughs> care about hiding my age. For goodness sakes, if if everybody's lucky listening, they'll get there too. Indeed. I mean, life is an interesting journey, and. When you're young, in your 20s, you think, oh, I have all the time left in the world. I, I can do anything. You're ambitious. You want to do this, that, and the other. You hit 30 and think, well, it's not quite working out the way I thought. You hit 40 and you say, it's definitely not. And by the time <laughs> you're 50, I think you say, at least I've said to myself, I have many more questions than I have answers. Yes, you indeed. Know? Indeed, you and lose so the I certainty. <laughs> each, each, decade, each decade teaches us so much. And this final chapter of my life has taught me so much, too. Will you that stay initially, or do you think? I don't know. I have no idea what I'll do. I've written a book on, uh, along with Mellon Scholar or Mellon Professor uh, Corey Brennan. We've written a book together. It's four hundred pages. Breeze Falls is uh, publishing it, and um, we. It has all of the ceilings beautifully done, and uh, every all the history. So many of the details, like Marquita Saad used to come there, and and uh, <laughs> oh, who is it? The Lothario that. Um, was uh, Casanova. Casanova. <laughs> yes, he made love to someone in our garden. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many, and you know, Hawthorne and Tchaikovsky, and we have so many stories uh, that we've been able to unearth that will make it interesting, not just to art aficionados, but, mm. but also to, mm. uh, you know, by, I think, by and large people that will find it fascinating Indeed. to humanize uh, this beautiful place. Okay. So, well, well. Hopefully, the villa, whatever happens, and whatever happens in the future, and how it all pans out, the villa Aurora hopefully will remain um, in good stead, and somebody will be in a position to bring it back uh, to the glory. Well, there is which, a billionaire interested. Uh, there's a billionaire interested that uh, loves art and could absolutely spend about fifteen million on, you know, redo, Redoing re- it. refurbishing it. We all spent right. millions on just refurbishing it but it mm. needs a billionaire of course, it, of course. It, you know it, it really right well does. if there's any billionaires listening to the home show uh, here on News Talk uh, they can get in touch with the realtors out in uh, Rome and they can maybe put in a bid Princess Rita Boncompagni Ludovici thank you so much for bringing us thank through the history thank you for having me on my Irish <laughs> brethren Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, it's not very often we get a princess, a real live princess on the home show. And of course, given all that is happening across the water next week, sure, we could be talking kings and queens and all of that next Saturday if you want to tune in. Now, Jen,
Jennifer Rothwell, one of Ireland's most celebrated fashion and textile designers, is renowned for her iconic prints, including her Harry Clark collection, uh, the 1916 GPO commemorative and the Book of Kells in her designs, to name a few. And I'm delighted to say she joins me now in studio. You're very welcome along to the Home Show, Jennifer. Oh, thank you, Sinead. I'm delighted to be here. Now, um, have you always had... A graph with the vivid colours. I mean, your website and your your beautiful products are an explosion of colour. Um, I suppose I did. You know, as I was a child, I always loved colour. Um, when I went into NCAD, I started off as in education and then transferred over to fashion. Um, I loved kind of dramatic, you know, kind of off the wall pieces and. Um, and then for my end of year collection, because I'd gone over to New York and I've, I had worked in the actual industry, um, I actually was going to do quite a conservative collection. But the tutors there kind of knew that wasn't really me, I suppose, <laughs> and said, you know, come on, you know, this is college, you know, play around with it a little bit and have a bit of fun. So what I did was for my end of year collection, I based it on Russia and I based it on kind of the czar period, very opulent and then also constructionism with military. So I did three pieces that were very kind of military style coats and then three that were very kind of feminine and and organic and made out of beautiful ribbons and they were um, with sequins. And so, yeah, I loved the kind of... um, you know, playful. Um, you know, I always knew as a child when I was younger that I didn't want a, a so-called proper job. I didn't want a nine to five. Um, I wanted something that I could, I would love and I could be very playful with. And uh, so, you know, I didn't want to go in in a uniform. And, you know, every all my peers were going for jobs and banks and, you know, mm. they were wearing suits. And proper I, pensionable job. And yeah, yeah. It, so. sa- it sounds to me like you, you, took your colouring book as a child and just transferred it into this vivid real life example of, of yeah, colouring pens. I suppose. And the first thing I ever drew was um, was actually a rose, you know, a beautiful flower. So, um, yeah, I just always loved colour. And, um, and I just, I suppose in a way I kind of inherently knew the power of colour. Mm. Um, so, you know, people see colour differently, you know, and I can kind of see it in kind of in my in my head, you know. So if I look at something, like say if it was just a black and white image, I could see automatically where and what colours I'd want to put in different sections mm, mm. in my head beforehand. Yeah. Now, it can be difficult, I'm sure, to translate what's in your head or maybe mm-hmm. what exists in real life into um, when you're working with fabrics and to try and replicate that exactly and get it spot on. Yeah. H- how do you do that? How hard is that? Well, I suppose I was very lucky because um, in 2015, um, I bought... Um, uh, digital textile printer. So having that, uh, you know, machinery uh, for fabrics to print, you can test a lot of fabrics. So I, le- I, gained, I gained a lot of knowledge in, um, you know, how colour relates to different types of fabrics. Mm. So how it would it would print in and, and uh, how uplifting and how vibrant it would be on silk versus cotton, you know, um, versus polyester versus... So I found my forte in silk. Yeah, You have because... Because most of the stuff that you have is printed onto silk. What is it about that fabric that you just love? But apart from the obvious, that's oh, so yeah. gorgeous and slinky yeah. and everything. Oh, well, it's great that it. and, and it's natural. Course, it's natural. That's really important. I mean, as as I'm learning more about fabrics, um, I just you know, 100% natural fabrics are really the way to go for your health as well. And um, so, um, it just it just has a beautiful sheen off it and you know any colour any any designs that I produce then and, and design 
when it is translated through silk is amazing. Mm. So, um, But again, it depends on, you know, the weight of the fabric. So the lighter the fabric, the heavier the fabric, uh, the penetration of the, of the ink into the silk. It's quite mm. technical. People really don't really understand how yeah, technical it is. Yeah, and I'd say it is probably m- more scientific than it is artistic nearly because you have mm. to get get it spot on and make sure that your all the elements yeah. work together. Now, some of the collections, um, I mean, the Hummingbird is yeah. absolutely beautiful. The Book of Kells, of course, and your inspiration uh, from Harry Clark, that fabulous stained glass artist. People will know him, of course, most famously for the windows in Bewley's, maybe yeah. Bewley's Cafe. But uh, wh- what was your thinking behind that? Because uh, you were talking earlier there about Russia being an inspiration for, for yeah. some of it. But this is very Irish. Yeah, well, I suppose um, my love of Irish heritage and culture um, came about because I was I left Ireland. Yeah, yeah it's so. often the way, isn't yeah. it? People go away and then they get yeah. homesick. Exactly. So I was born in America, in New York, and um, my mother came back when I was about 10 months old. Um, but I had an American passport, I have, I should say. Um, so I'm an American citizen. So I always knew then if I'm going, I, you know, when I went into college, we realised, you know, then, and it's, it's mostly the case now, unfortunately, too, that if you go down the design route, um, particularly in fashion, that, you know, there isn't really employable jobs here. So you have to emigrate. So I knew that I would be going back to New York. Um, so I went back and I loved it there when I was there. And, um, you know, on, on visits home to Ireland, I just really got a great appreciation of, you know, how green the fields of Ireland are. And, you know, <laughs> and I just kind of really felt that, you know, how come Irish people living in Ireland, and this really happened to me after I came home, really don't seem to appreciate, you know, our cloud formations and our, our you know, our, our kind of heritage. And it's, it's all so mysterious and beautiful. And, you know, I just really felt that we didn't really appreciate that. So I felt I really... I just was really inspired to uh, create collections that would bring that back mm. in a contemporary way, you know. Has the landscape changed since you've been away? Do you find that it's more conducive now to designers and artists than it would have been? Um, not really, not in my field, you know. I, I, it's very, very difficult. Um, I have been campaigning since 2010 um, with all the ministers and all the government bodies as well to try to bring in incentives to help. You know, we're at the ta- highest tax rate, 23%, you know, mm. whereas we should be more in line with um, the artists, you know, and, you know, the the initiatives that uh, President Higgins brought in about 30, 40 years ago for the arts and you can see how yeah, well we're doing very yeah. well. So that's something that has to be developed. Um, it is a, it is difficult, you know, to, to base yourself and, and be in, in fashion and design in Ireland. Now, of course, Jennifer Rothwell, JR Designs, yeah. mostly known for, for uh, a lot of the, the clothing items that you do, everything yeah. from scarves to bow ties to neckerchiefs and these beautiful silk dresses I've been looking at online. But you also have been delving a little bit into the home uh, and home yeah. wear collection, of course, this is the home show. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, I do commission pieces um, and I have developed a range of um, beautiful cushions, you know, so um, I have ones actually here <laughs> uh, inspired by St. Bridget. Um, actually, St. Bridget is one of my best, the d- the print designers. Well, let's take a look. Yeah, sure. Um, have a look because they actually are beautiful and I know you do the old, the old silk pillows, which are all very, very yeah. much the rage at the moment. Uh, yeah. So we'll take a look through it. Actually, Make sure my hands are clean before I touch it. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely beautiful. Look at that. So, so these are vibrant blues. Uh, oh, it's up, oh, no, it's not. It's not upside down. If, you, if it goes to both Oh, it's, yeah, it's so, a, yeah. This it's is, a repeat. This is, who's this? St. Bridget. This is St. Bridget and okay. she's inspired by a uh, Harry Clark image in um, Ballinrobe in, in, in County Mayo in the church there. Um, and then the background then as well is is um, designed by me. So it's it's about um, 
kind of an uplifting spring and we have the cherry blossom in the background and the tree the, and, and all it's this a Celtic design yeah. around it in a frame in so a frame absolutely yeah. beautiful and do you know what Jennifer even the back of yeah. it <gasps> the cobalt blue this cobalt blue I would like you could have that as a cushion all by and itself it, yeah. and yeah. just swap them about yeah you? yeah. if you didn't want the print yeah and exactly and so absolutely gorgeous yeah. and then this one oh yeah here. so we have the hummingbird you were talking oh, about that earlier lovely. see I love yeah. this because again you've taken this gorgeous uh, indigo nearly colour yeah. and you have interesting dispersed it. Now, what colours have we had? Black, we have a yellow, we have green, we have red. I mean, you did not stint on the paint here. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, this, I knew automatically by putting, you know, uh, the bird with the red wings, that would pop definitely. So yeah, it does, it does really sure. pop. And actually, we're always talking about colour pops in the home. And, you know, um, we, we have designers in here all the time who said, you know, less is more. And if you can have a pop of colour, everything else can be neutral. And this, yeah. it would seem to me, would be the ideal thing to have as your pop against, yeah. you know, a kind of a neutral fabric. Well, I have I have those cushions and I have them against um, brown leather, you know, so yeah, yeah which is because quite conservative. They just give you that focal point. And I heard that there are some people who are taking these, which are clothing items, these neckerchiefs and scarves mm. and framing them. Well, that's what my customers do. Yeah. So they actually, there's a gentleman in, up in, I should say, Donegal and he's bought several. Yeah. And he frames them. And I actually made him. Um, he doesn't uh, want to waste them as a kerchief. No, we've actually made him <laughs> curtains in the prints. He loves them so right. much. Yeah. Because he loves the light going through and the colour that's reflected. Because yeah. they are, people have said they actually are like stained glass. I and mean, there's no chance yeah. you're going to blow your nose in that beautiful <laughs> I know. Yeah. So we fish. have we have framed um, as well. So I've framed artwork too. And then yeah. this is the, the GPO commemorative print there. Yeah. So that's gorgeous. So the iconic building, of course, uh, in the GPO. And then it's it's caught in a this beautiful blue cloud uh, and uh, red and purples yeah. and oh my goodness, there's so many colours in here and it's absolutely beautiful. So that print actually was purchased along with the Madeleine here um, by the National Museum for the Contemporary Collections in 2016. And it does look very much like a collector's piece. Uh, yeah. And you can see why people would would want to hold that. So give us an idea of what these items sell for, um, Jennifer. Well, actually, they're very reasonable. The scarves um, are 100% silk and they are 54 by 54 centimetres and they are 58. Yeah, euro. and they're a yeah. substantial size. And you even do little hair scrunchies. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm in Dublin Airport in Terminal 1 and Terminal 2 as well. Obviously, yeah. I sell online too. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they literally fly, <laughs> yeah. fly out the door. Yeah, people love them. And it's a do. nice... I love to be affordable for everybody, you know, so yeah. everybody can have a little bit of luxury oh, for, right. for 12 euros with the beautiful silk scrunchie. Well, I have to say they're gorgeous. Where can people find out more about you and your yeah, designs? Sure. Um, it's jenniferrothwell.com. So, yeah. yeah and I you're on Instagram more. as well? Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all, all of them. All of the state, all <laughs> yeah. the stations, as they say. All right. Well, Jennifer Rothwell, uh, thank you so much for bringing your absolutely beautiful designs uh, into the home show and welcome home. Oh, and um, <laughs> I hope that uh, success follows you uh, while you're here and I'm sure it will indeed. Thank you so much, Sinead. And you're very welcome back to the Home Show podcast here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Uh, and as we know, uh, this time of year, uh, our sunshine days, we hope are on the way. Some of them may be spent dodging the rain showers, uh, but we'll take whatever we can get from here on in, I'm sure. Uh, and lots and lots of people love to make an extra room in their house uh, by utilising their garden a little bit better. But could you be missing out? The must have 
at the moment is, wait for it, an uni. And if you don't know what that is, well, I'm joined now by friend of the show and former Home of the Year winner, Jennifer Sheehan. Hi, Jennifer. Now, listen, I'm, I don't know if I have one. How would I know? And what is an uni? You probably do. Everybody should. They're wonderful. It's a pizza oven, obviously. Okay. Yes. Right. A pizza oven. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I don't have one of those. Why do I need one? Why don't you need one? How do you not? Ha- how have you gotten this far in life and lame to be successful? Beginning that one. Everyone has life. one. Everyone has one. I'm going to. So I have to caveat all of the following by saying I actually don't have any of these, and for good reason. My garden is so tiny that my oven is never more than an arm's reach away. So I just can't be justifying getting outdoor cooking. But I love them, and I love when friends invite me over, if anyone's listening, to their houses for barbecue parties. But what they are is pizza ovens that you can cook with outside. So you don't need to plug them in. They don't need any electricity. They fire up very, very, very quickly. They were designed over a long, painstaking amount of time to, to perfectly cook the pizza. And are they, do they work like a gas barbecue? Yeah, gas? Oh, yeah right, they do. Okay. They do. So they fire up very, very quickly. Your pizza's done in a minute. And then oh. you and then off you go. So what I you need a high temperature for a pizza. Yeah, don't you? yeah, okay. but they heat very quickly. the The materials that they're made from are super easy to clean. So it is one of those brilliant outdoor dining experiences or pieces of equipment that you can whip in and whip out. And there isn't a huge amount of scrubbing, basting, and all that. And they're quite small. They're little triangular, kind of almost like a retro futuristic kind of a kind of a shape so they're they are lovely to look at hey and i'm thinking that would be super for the munchies late at night yeah. or if you've got a party or a kids yeah. over that kind of thing and okay. you know what's fun so they they do only do one pizza at a time so it really means that everyone's kind of gathering around it it's not something that you go and you mm. cook a pile of stuff and then you bring that to the table it's very much an active participation type of a device I would say and of course does it avoid then the big danger of barbecues which is that the person in the household oh yeah. let's call him the bloke who cooks <laughs> once a year outdoors can't get this wrong yeah. you're not going to end up with you can't get I will come out and say you can't get this wrong I really think this is foolproof and what's nice about it is you know, I went for pizza the other night and by the time you're on your last lights and I did eat the whole pizza, it's gone cold. So what's lovely about this is you can kind of do one at a time. Everyone gets a slice mm. and then you design the next one and you throw whatever toppings okay. you want on that and off you go and it's done in a minute okay. and then everyone gets a slice. Okay. So it is. And can can it be used to cook anything else? It can actually. So it comes with a, a, a recipe book. So you can do your kebabs, you can do your corn on the cob, you can do your roast veggies, your potatoes. It even says you can do desserts and it's perfect for doing certain breads. So things like flatbreads or, you know, heating up rolls or something like that. Perfect okay. for those. And uni. Right. Uni, and O-O-N-I. It used to be spelled, if anyone's looking for it and is getting confused, it used to be spelled U-U-N-I and they changed the name to O-O-N-I. Okay. Because you, what, I mean, how do you pronounce you, you know, and I? Right. Okay. In the greatest uh, uh, name change since Jif uh, <laughs> turned to Sif. Okay. The uni becomes the uni. the uni. Right. Uni. Okay. So that's good. So what would one of those set you back then? <sighs> they are starting in the high hundreds. They're not cheap. Ooh. But so this is like if you're just, a pizza lover. Yeah. I think it's Or worth a show off accessory. I think it's worth is it. it? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. Now, so let's talk about then. Um, the whole thing about cooking outside because hopefully we haven't had a mad run of weather but we're promised better. Um, So people will be looking to barbecues and all that kind of thing. Talk to me a little bit about what we need to look for 
and what we need to take account of. Yeah. I mean, some barbecue, I mean, there's expensive pieces of kit. I know you can pick one up for 100 quid, but they can run into thousands They can run into well. thousands and it is worth covering the ones that are thousands. So first of all, I would say anyone listening, if you're wondering what to buy, it all starts with what you want to do with it, how often you want to use it, how often do you want to cook with it. Um, if you're not somebody who is you know, super invested in getting the exact right charcoal flavour on your roast, whatever, then, you know, there's no point in spending too much money on it because we do really only get to use it a few times a year. So those ones that cost a thousand or those ones that cost a hundred, those ones that are up to 300, they can be fantastic. They can Mm. be, you know, really you're just applying heat to food. So like if you're not (laughs) not, that bossy, it doesn't need to be rocket science. And what you can get is these lovely kind of tabletop ones as well. If you're really, really short on space like I am and just make sure it's sitting on a hot stone or something like that. But then you can get the creme de la creme of barbecues. Oh yeah. Which is the Kamado Joe. Kamado Joe. Kamado Joe. Right, okay. So Kamado barbecues are those eggs. The, the big oh, egg barbecues, right. egg-shaped barbecues. They're the in, I call those the Instagram barbecues yeah, because everybody who has one feels the need to post yeah. all that's happening on the bar as if they invented food <laughs> <laughs> or cooking. And they didn't because these have been around for a long time. So that Kamado barbecue got popular just after World War II and the big green egg, which was the pop, the most popular one for, yeah. for a long time, yeah. came out in the 70s. So these Kamado cookers, they're perfectly designed for very even heating um, they lose actually very, very little fuel. So they're very, very fuel efficient. So if you're worried about emissions, you know, I know we're all moving to clean charcoal, mm. but if you're using whatever you're using, mm. it, it is very, very efficient. And they are charcoal as opposed to gas. They're charcoal. Okay. So you're looking See? for that smoked flavour. You lose yeah. the spontaneity with that, don't you? Because you Well, they heat the... up pretty quickly. Do they? But yeah, I mean, you're not doing a pizza in a minute, you know, but they do heat up very quickly and they stay hot for a long time. So you fire it up in the morning. There's not a huge amount of back and forth and stoking and poking and Prodding, okay, you know? and I'm just you know the way that you had to buy the, the coals and put them in and then wait until they all went kind of white yeah. or grey, yeah, and, and can take hours. So you're saying they're a little bit more efficient. They're a bit, than that they're now. they're okay. a bit faster than that. You still have, you do still have to wait for them to heat up. So the big green egg is around a long time. Kamado Joe is more of a newcomer that has a bit more bells and whistles, two racks, two different temperatures. You can do more in it at oh, once. Oh right, so it's like a proper oven then. then. Okay, so fire pits then. So yes. that's another thing um, that people love to have in their garden yeah. and goodness knows we need it. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to, to making a fire pit, like you can get really gorgeous designs yeah. and fabulous stuff and the, these big shallow saucers yeah, and you turf beautiful. the fire into them. I'm always worried a little bit about the amount of billowing smoke yeah, <laughs> that maybe yeah. you, you'll appreciate but your neighbours won't. Well, we're moving to smokeless fuels all over Ireland. So mm-hmm. that regulation is coming in. So I think that can be toned down a little bit. I will say I have experienced it myself. If you know yourself, if you're sitting outside around a fire pit, all the clothes are going into the wash the next yeah, morning and the hair yeah, needs to be washed yeah. and you do smell of it. That's the trade-off, I think. You know, there is a bit of a smell. Right. It well, of course, we have to one. suffer for our, for now, our luxuries, don't we? There are There is an option and purists, barbecue purists are going to shout me down for this one. But there is bioethanol, which you can burn completely cleanly. There's no fuel, there's no fumes, anything at all um, coming no off it. Coal. It burns completely. It's no coal. Oh, right. yeah. okay. there's no, it burns right fully clean. So you could even burn that under an awning or something like that or a canopy. Okay. You don't have to worry about the fumes building okay. up. So all if you're right. really worried, there's your answer. Now, uh, when it comes to creating this outdoor kitchen vibe yeah. or style, because, you know, a lot of people invest a lot of money yeah. in their garden and their patio and having it look nice and you get the barbecue and the fire pit and the uni and all that yeah. stuff. Um, give us some design tips about creating that, I suppose, 
coziness yeah. out, outdoor to make a proper room rather than an afterthought. Yeah. Now look, I love Pinterest. I love Instagram. I have boards and gatherings and collections of all sorts of beautiful things. You need to make sure that we're being realistic because we live in Ireland. The weather is not Californian. And, you know, when you're thinking about what you want to design, things can look amazing. And really in the grey Irish weather, after a bit of mould sets in, it's just not the reality. So just make sure that you're being practical, right? So just anything you're buying, the seating, anything like that, make sure it's waterproof. Make sure it's very easy to wipe down. We're not a country that you can leave out, you know, blankets and and uh, and uh, and cushions outside. That said, there's a lot of stuff available in that material. So that really uh, easy to clean, wipeable, waterproof material. I think, you know, it's much better to buy it at that and then be able to leave it outside rather than carting things in and out of the house uh, every day. Lighting, I think, is a huge one and it's super simple. Just get the festoons, get the fairy lights, get those lovely little yeah. ones that hang up. I have up. a tree in the back of my garden which I've released because there used to be a shed in front of it and the shed has been moved now. And I got those little fairy lights. I bought them in deals. They were like about six quid. And it's a big string and I've just wrapped it around the trunk of the tree. It's on solar. Yes. Um, I have the same. And the effect is magical. Do you know? So I'm now going to turn the place into Santa's Christmas grotto, I think, with all the extras (laughs) on it. And you can get... it's simple, isn't it? It's so simple. And I mean, just you can't be without it. They, They cost nothing. As you said, they're solar. I've had solar ones now for over two years. They are perfect. They've lasted for ages. They charge up over the day and then they just let the light out mm. at night time and they're brilliant. And if you do, if you're somebody who has a beautiful garden anyway and you've got some nice shrubbery, a little bit of kind of, uh, a little bit of downlighting or something like that, just studded in through among, throughout your, yeah. your flowers again, would be you can beautiful. Get those on solar. Again, um, solar. They come with their little panels yeah. and you just switch them on and leave them do their work. So you don't have to wire them into anything. You don't have to even switch them on or off. Mm. They just come on. Usually they're on a little uh, sensor so when it gets dark enough they light mm. up and they're they're beautiful. Now so the Irish weather's a great idea to kind of go out and go full tilt on the old wraps and yeah. the throws and yeah. all because you'd like one on the back of the chair and keep them in mind. Yeah. I have a view like if you need to be wrapped yourself in a blanket you should be indoors No I disagree <laughs> I disagree You're we right You need to right, get outdoors right. as much as possible okay. and those you know we're, we have the luxury of having really long evenings in summertime so while it might not be warm until 11 mm. it is light and mm. it's nice to sit outside so if you're inviting people over to your house for, for an outdoor session provide them with blankets because it does get cold yeah, yeah. Um, and it's lovely and cosy to sit in there and people the will appreciate it and you might get that lingering kind of pour yeah. another drink there's a blanket well, let's stay here Yeah. You know, so typically kind of a fleecy okay. style one is a really good idea yeah. for kind of easy to clean folds away quite small and keeps everybody lovely and warm Yeah and a lot yeah. of the outdoor bars during Covid they started yeah. bringing in all that kind of thing and it, it gives yeah. people good ideas Okay um, Now uh, the other thing that seems to have taken off is the awning Yeah okay? Now loathe be it for us to you know not have the sun blasting <laughs> at us whenever whenever it deigns to come out but actually that awning gives you a little bit of shade It might get too hot we might get a little bit too hot sometimes oh, in Ireland. I've been looking into this so. a lot because yeah. I'd love an awning in my I've my tiny little kind of two by mm. two back courtyard garden. I'd love an awning over that because that would really turn the whole thing into another room for me to entertain mm. in all year mm. round. So that's kind of the benefit of the awning. Of course, you can get shade if it's too hot in Ireland. Not often an issue, but it really extends the usage of that outdoor space yeah. so you can use it year round a lot of them come with built in lighting a lot of them come with built in heating even oh, um, right. if you want something like that and of so course they really can be good. retractable so yeah. you, you, you're you not clambering up on a ladder to 
take them on and off. Yeah, exactly. Like so you can, you know, if, if it's a cost thing, you can get them uh, where you just pull them with a the pulley and they and they come in and they're pretty easy. Or you can get them with a remote control and you can manage them with your phone and all sorts of things. And, and the they just retract want. very easily. That's yeah. the one yeah. you want. Make life okay, easy for yourself. You go, Why not? When you go. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, super ideas there as we edge towards what we hope will be summer <laughs> this year Jennifer we will have you back Fingers in crossed. to talk about all of all of that uh, and see how people are getting on with it but if you are somebody who has bought an uni or a Komodo Joe do let us know how you're getting on with it and whether you'd recommend it at 53106 Jennifer Sheehan thanks a million uh, and you can find all of Jen's tips and hints on Workers Cottage Workers Cottage on Instagram and my thanks to all of my guests today and indeed to you for listening to the Home Show podcast I'm Sinead Ryan and remember if you'd like to get involved in the show if you have a question for us or maybe have a suggestion for a guest or a topic you'd like us to feature we are all ears you can drop the show a text at 53 106 for 30 cent. You can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com because we go through those during the week. Uh, and of course, you can find me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And you can listen to The Home Show every Saturday morning from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock if you're up at that hour. Uh, and of course, all of our podcasts are up on the News Talk website and the app. Thanks to Eva for being producing today on sound. Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy. And we will see you next time round. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint. On News Talk.